0: Patterns, permutations, time, rhythm, coordination, meter, concentration, tempo, modulation, groove. Welcome to the Drum Mantra Podcast. This is Rich Stitzel, and it's time to go deeper with your practice. So
1: what I, what I did is, you know, at some point I started realizing, like, I can put in these, you know, these sextuplets and make it sound essentially kind of faster than it is.
0: Polyrhythms, polymeters, what are they? How are they related? How are they different? Let's take a look. Before
1: I set up anything in a session, I try to find out, hey, what's the first song we're gonna do? Can we go listen to it? Is there some kind of demo? And then, because I hate I hate just like throwing up like any old symbol scenario and whatever, um, building a kit and then going to listen to the song you know, like, oh well, I wouldn't
0: even have the stuff that's up here. The way to be successful at something is you have to be so passionate about it that time disappears. You do not care, you are just in it. You can't wait to wake up because you get to start again. And when you go to sleep, you hope that you dream about it. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about passion. I, I
1: really feel like that's a really under part of being a drummer, is getting sad. What
0: happens is you're moving the accents Everywhere possible in a measure of 4-4, four, four, a measure of 3-4, and a measure of 5-4. Break
1: four. it down, you know, sometimes you'll do threes in each hand or whatever. But it's a, it's a combination of just those two things and throwing in a single kick drum or a double kick drum, and now you have these odd
0: phrases. Hey everybody, Rich here. Welcome back to the Drum Mantra Podcast, episode 23. I'm excited to share a conversation I had a few days ago with Carter McLean. Carter is the drummer for Lion King in New York and he's also the drummer for Charlie Hunter. He's on tour right now on the West Coast with Charlie and uh, Carter is awesome. He's a great player. He's a great thinker. He's a very meticulous dude. I think you're going to dig getting to know him a little bit better. And before we get into that conversation, I want to make sure that I thank all of my drum companies for their support. The A&F Drum Company, Craviato Drum Company, Sabian Cymbals, Evans Drumheads, Vic Firth Drumsticks, The Polynome App, and The Box Kit Cajones. I love all of those companies. They're great. They make amazing instruments, and they are also awesome humans to work with. So check them out, and I'm sure you will enjoy that. One more piece of business, I want to let you all know that the Primary Series book, book number two in the Drum Mantra canon, is now available hot off the press. Stacks of them sit in my studio and are being mailed out daily. You can get the Foundational Series and the Primary Series together on my website as a bundle, and you can save 20% on that. Um, otherwise, if you have the foundational series and you've completed that book, the primary series is the next step. Uh, the primary series focuses solely on the 3-4 and 5-4 polymetric relationship and their function in 3-4 four time, 4-4 four, four time, and 5-4 time. It's a heavy book. It goes deep. There's a lot of coordination in there and a lot of uh, phrasing concepts that will definitely change the way that you think of phrasing. There are 11 sections in the book. There are also six brand new rhythmic melody sections in every time signature, so you will really have a chance to start learning and thinking about phrases in 3-4-4-4 and 5-4 time. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's great fun. I practice it every day, and um, I will be posting the audio file play alongs to the book uh, slowly as we go. So, if you have the book, you'll have access to the free play-alongs, and you'll definitely get to go deeper with your practice with all that. The book is only available at richstitzelmusic.com, so head over there and check it out. Okay, so this conversation with Carter was pretty cool. Carter and I um, became kind of social media friends maybe a year ago after he posted a video, and it really caught my attention, and I... uh I did the the exercise. He played this exercise, which was a halftime shuffle that modulated into a 4-4 rock groove, but the shuffle in the hand then became this dotted eighth note figure, and then he sped the groove up again into a double-time shuffle and then back down, and that kind of uh, piqued my interest with Carter, and I thought, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. So I went home after a gig and did a video of the same thing and gave Carter credit and I think he commented on it and from there we sort of have been in each other's peripheral social media world. Every once in a while we'll we'll say hey and um, so our conversation today that you'll hear is the first time we've actually spoken in person so I love how that goes down when you're uh, just getting to know someone for real and um, just kind of you know feeling out the territory of what another person's like it's it's a it's a cool cool experience and i hope uh hope you enjoy hearing that conversation we go into a lot of detail about many different things gear building drums practicing teaching endorsements social media upbringing all kinds of things so i think you're going to enjoy this i don't want to talk too much longer because it's a nice long conversation that we had and I want you to be sure you get to all of the juicy details. So without further ado, here is the conversation between myself and Carter McLean.
2: All is now being recorded. Carter the Groove Master McLean.
1: <laughs> I had to say something. I couldn't just say my name. That's too boring.
2: Well, I had to repeat it because I don't think that part's going to be recorded. So just uh, just let letting the world know that that's how you named yourself when you... Called me, Carter, the Groovemaster. How's it going, man? I'm good, dude. How are you? Good. I'm I'm great. I'm I'm a little frazzled because I just got home from a gig and uh, I was trying to find my earbuds and I couldn't find them. So I've got to yeah, hold like the a.m. phone. A.m. Uh, 8:30 a.m. hit at a, at an elementary school. Whoa, that's early. There's a organization in Chicago called Ravinia. Have you played? Ravinia, have you played Chicago
1: much? Not really. I mean, I, I toured there when I was younger with this guy, Melvin Sparks. Um, but that was like, man, that was probably over 10 years ago.
2: Okay. Ravinia is the home of the Chicago Symphony in the summertime. And they also do uh, like a three-month concert series with anyone from like Bonnie Rae to Seal to, you know, just all kinds of stuff. And they have That's all the non It's a non-profit and they have all these outreach uh, things. So um, I'm I'm an artist in residence for one of their programs, so I go into schools and talk about music to kids. Oh, doubt, man! That's great. One one or two days a week, yeah. And, and we also perform on other artists' concerts, so that's what I was doing today. Oh, great! Yeah, very cool. It's day work. Uh,
1: well, yeah. Well, look, man, work is work, and if you're talking yep. about music or playing drums, it's all good.
2: That's right.
1: Yeah, I just I'm finishing packing up. I'm literally uh, going in to teach a lesson, then I'm getting my back adjusted, and then I'm playing Lion King, and then I got a seven thirty AM flight out of J F K to San Francisco tomorrow morning. So
2: <laughs> oh
1: <my God. coughs> busy busy. that's
2: a that's a busy one. And yeah. then uh how long is your tour? It's exactly uh two weeks.
1: It's crazy. I'm sitting in my studio in Connecticut right now, talking with you, and then tomorrow night I'll be playing my new drum kit in San Francisco.
2: Which is kinda crazy. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited. I ended up building My 40th birthday is in May.
2: Believe it or not, so I don't believe it. I actually thought you were a lot. I thought you were a lot younger. That's
1: what a lot of people. It's weird. I'm like, after all the like interviews and stuff, I say I was born in '78, and people are like, "Man, I thought you were in your early 30s." I'm like, "No, I'm gonna be 40." But thank you. Um, (laughs) So yeah, music keeps you young. So. I did that signature uh-huh. snare last year and it, it sold you know, it sold out in like a few days and the same guy Paul who made that drum for me or the shells in Australia this guy Paul wary um I asked him i said, man, would you be able to do uh like a ten- or like a twelve fourteen twenty and then a, and a 7x14 snare out of some different wood for me. And he's like, absolutely. And I asked Ron to make sure it was cool with him to put like the George Way lugs and everything on it so it looks like a George Way kit. It's just uh, uh-huh. all the wood is super special. I, we were looking through pallets of different uh, exterior finish pieces and he found this one kind of run of this really crazy walnut that's like kind of like striped with a bunch of different colors. Um, huh. And then there's, there's some figuring in it too. It's hard to tell in some of the photos, but it's really stunning. And I said, man, that's the wood. And then the shells are made. The, sh- the snare drum is really crazy. I can't wait to play it. It's made out of turpentine wood, which is all these woods down there have these crazy names. Yeah, and the wood is like really dense on the hardness scale. It's like, I think it's actually harder than ebony. It's like really difficult to work with. But he said, man, I'll try wow. to do the snare out of it. Cause I wanted, I have a lot of snares that are real warm sounding. So I wanted something that was warm, but still had some, some crack to it. Uh-huh. So I did a thicker plies of that um, and then the outer and inner uh, plies are the walnut just for you know visual so it matches everything and that, that's going to be really dope. And then the rest of the kit, the tom floor tom and kick drum are made out of this wood called black butt. That's, like, I guess it's a little bit harder than maple, maybe. So the shells are pretty, like, they're more dense than I normally would go for. But I already have three other George Way kits at home that are, you know, both two two are walnut and one is mahogany. And those are both really warm tonewood. So I wanted something just, just a little different. Okay. And then uh Remo scent, some... Um a set of, full set of heads for me to put on the kit so I can use them on tour, you know, the way I like to have them sound. So I'm using Fiberskin Diplomats on all the toms, on the tops and the snares. And actually on the kick drum, too, is both sides are going to be a, a Fiberskin Diplomat. And then the bottom of wow. the toms bottom uh-huh. of the toms is just a clear diplomat, so I like thinner heads. I feel like they get a little more articulation for the way I play. I don't hit super hard. I feel like I can get more music out of the drums that way right
2: do you do fiber skin a lot on the toms? Yeah,
1: I love them. I mean yeah i i i'm I mess around I mean I use these things called skin tone that they have that are even thinner that are those are really great if you're gonna like just crank them for the bebop kind of zone right they're they're they sound really nice for that, but then you know, like the kid I have at home now that I've been playing on I just put some coated ambassadors on them and they sound great but there's something the the fiberskin diplomats are basically the same thickness as an ambassador they're not really thin because of the coating that they're the process so they're just like a they're like a, to me a darker warmer version of an ambassador like a coated ambassador uh-huh. so I just can't wait like I'm going to literally land meet up with Charlie Uh, go get my drums, which are at his manager's house in San Francisco, and then
2: just basically tune,
1: put all the heads on, and then roll over to Soundcheck and, you know, get going. It's gonna be kind of a long day. Wow,
2: that's exciting though. That's a good way to have the energy to get through the day when you have all that fun to look forward to. Exactly.
1: Yeah, the six-hour flight will go by hopefully quickly because I'll be asleep.
2: (laughs) Will you carry your cymbals? Yeah, I mean, I just yeah,
1: I I just actually packed everything. I threw and I, you know, I endorsed DW Hardware, so I had. A bag of the ultra light hardware, which I, I use at home. I mean, I just use that stuff because there's some, I don't know, I just like simplicity. And, yep. you know, technology now, you can go super light and put a 22 inch ride on something and whale it and it's not going to budge, you know. Right. Um, so I had them ship the bag of ultra light hardware with the kit and head. So everything's there, but I'm bringing like a super simple ultra light kick drum pedal that they make and then uh, an additional snare stand. Uh, that I'm gonna put the tom on because I didn't want him to drill a hole for a tom mount. It'll just go old school oh, yeah. snare drum stand. Yeah. And then you know, typical clothes, bunch of you know, two pairs of jeans, trying to go super slick for the tour. Because I also I'm yeah. throwing a bunch of four-hands drumming t-shirts and merch and stuff in my bag. Oh, good. So good, I got to keep it. Keep it under fifty pounds, you know. So yeah, and then I just bring a cymbal bag. Um, I'm bringing two rides and a set of hats, and that's it. Nice. And then like you know, cool. some big fat snare drum used, and a bunch of like shakers and this index percussion hard hat thing, which I really dig with Charlie. It's kind of like a tight secondary hi hat
2: kind of sound. You what, where yeah. do you put that? You, you put that like above the bass drum, kind of next to the. Drum? No,
1: I, I there's a there's a hole in the bottom of it, which I'm sure is to like mount on something. But I just put it on the snare. Or on the floor tom, just on the drum and play it that way, which is kind of cool. Oh. It changes changes that drum. What, wherever you put it on drum, it, like, mutes it. Um, so you get this real staccato snare sound or floor tom sound, but then you get this hi-hat kind of thing, on, you know, right there. And then if if you put it on your main snare, you have, like, these three articulate sound sources right next to each other, which is cool if you're playing...
2: Like kinda of tight groove stuff, it's pretty cool. What what was that again? So, I'm not sure I I I'm not sure I understood what you said it was.
1: Oh yeah, it's this company index percussion and they make like uh-huh. shakers and a bunch of really cool stuff and this thing is called a hard hat. And it's basically like crashers mounted on this kind of block of wood that's maybe a foot long or something like that. Um, oh wow it's kind of like a, a ribbon crasher thing that you, that's just kind of self-sufficient and you just you can just kind of drop it anywhere I, I think i've done a couple of clips with it on, on instagram
2: and youtube and stuff but
1: it's got a really nice sound it's like a real tight uh kind of hi-hat kind of sound
2: okay cool yeah it's any cool. more stuff so, are you going to bring any any of the more stuff i
1: can't man I, I would love to because adam has been sending me some
2: really cool stuff that i would love to
1: take but it's just it's heavy and if i'm yeah you know, if it's, if it's a if if it's a question of bringing like a cowbell or all my merch, I got to bring merch.
2: <laughs> yeah, right, um, right, right. But right. like,
1: I'm doing a clinic at Revival in Portland, um, which I think is sold out. Actually, they posted something that it was sold out, which I oh, find I think hard I to saw believe, that. Yeah, but
2: I thought awesome, I was man. like,
1: cool, yeah. I was like, I thought you know I'd be psyched if ten people showed up, and they're like, man, there's a ton of people showing up. I was like, great. Um, and they sell that stuff, so at the clinic, I'm going to try to borrow some and, and augment the kit with a lot of his stuff, because his stuff is really fun to play around with. I mean, it really opens your ears up to different kind of style of playing. Totally,
2: yeah. I, I was I was out in Colorado this summer, and I really wanted to get over to him, because I was in Estes Park, and I think, he's in Fort Collins, right? Yeah, uh uh-huh. It just didn't work out to swing by in time. but He's
1: a great guy, man, really cool guy. He's a great drummer, man. I borrowed his Gretsch kit. Um, when I was, I played like three or four shows with Charlie out there. I forget six months ago or something. And uh-huh. he was like, yeah, man, you could totally use my kid. It'd be fun to meet up. And, uh, we got to hang. He was a really good, really smart, creative guy. And I, I watched him play, man. He's got a killer
2: groove, really creative ideas. I mean, he's a great player besides just making all that stuff you know that's awesome yeah. i love i yeah. love that some of these new uh kind of artisan drum makers can also play it's what well, yeah cool. i think that's probably how they come up with this stuff like he was probably
1: working on something and said man you know i don't have anything like that sound maybe i can build it and i'm you know right. i'm not brave enough to put on the welding mask and start going to town but he is so
2: you know god bless <laughs> him <laughs> yeah right yeah. so where, are you from Colorado? No. I don't know I, why it's I have funny, that. funny. I'm actually – I was born in
1: San Francisco where I'm flying tomorrow, which is kind huh. of random. Okay. I just put this together a few days ago that the kit I'm having made for my 40th birthday is going to be unveiled and played for the first time in the town I was born in, which is kind of cool. Isn't that – wow, that's wild. That's great. And I didn't even think about it. I was like, yeah, we'll just send it to the first gig in San Francisco. And then, like, a couple days ago, I said, oh, that's my birthday kit. Oh, weird. I'm going to be playing in San Francisco on my birthday kit, which is kind of weird, where I was born. So the beginning of the tour starts there and ends there, and we're playing the independent the last night of the tour, which will be really fun. And then I'm going to have to box up the drums. I'm nervous about – got to rebox them up and ship them back to Connecticut. So, yeah, back oh, to Oh, yeah. Born in San Francisco. Grew up my whole life basically where I live now. I bought a house, a town, one town away from where I grew up uh, in Connecticut. It's about an hour north. Of New York City, so I used to go into the city all the time and see shows and stuff, which is great. Uh And and I'm just kind of like, you know, I love the West Coast, but just growing up on the East Coast and how diverse it is and just being near New York, I don't know if I could ever live somewhere else, especially just for where I'm at right now with Broadway. You know, it's kind of
2: like you're there if you're there. Right, right. So you moved out there with your family when you were a kid?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was only in San Francisco until I was like two. So I don't really remember. Oh, okay. So I grew up basically my whole life out here,
2: um, which is pretty rare.
1: Like, I lived in the same house. I mean, my mom just sold that house after 36 years, you know? Wow. Uh So that that house was kind of around for a really long time, which is pretty rare. The more I meet people, they're like, man, I moved around all the time when I was a kid. You're lucky to be
2: in one zone, especially. Right. Mhm. So did you what's what's your training? What's the story here? Cuz I know you texted me at one point. I think you said that you were self-taught. Is that true? That is true. Yeah. Um, because cause Blair and I almost got caught on fire when I when I said that to him. I don't know if you heard the podcast I did with Blair. <laughs> I, I mean, I know Blair.
1: We've hung out a couple times,
2: and I don't know if we ever got into that. <laughs> I
1: was like, man, Carter tells me he's self-taught, and
2: Blair's like, what? <laughs>
1: well, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, people say they have that reaction, I guess, a lot. But to me, it's kind of like if you do anything for, you know, let's say, like, I could, my technique got to a point where I could play Pretty close to where I am now, probably by the time I was almost in, you know, like high school. Like, I had to deal with DW drums when I was 18, when I was a senior in high school, which is crazy. That's Um, crazy. But technique for me, like, and the more I analyze it and try to teach it, you know, People are always saying, Man, how do you get your singles and doubles like that? And I I really try to break it down as, as clean as I can to explain to people, but at the end of the day, man, it's just putting in the time. Like if you do anything for um what's the Malcolm Gladwell for like ten thousand hours, you're gonna figure out some stuff because you're the human sure. body, if you if you have two arms and two legs and you're in fairly decent, you know, just if you're just a pretty standard human and everything is working as it should, the body kind of will, like, let you know if it's working or not, you know. Um, like, I'm in a, I'm a big believer in listening to what your body is telling you. If something, you know, guys come to me and they say, oh, I have wrist pain here or my fingers feel weird or I got an elbow thing or shoulder thing. You can tell it's, like, 90% of the time it's either posture or they're just trying to fit some weird technique into their playing that doesn't make sense, you know. Right. Because, like, I hold the sticks. If you're just sitting in a chair, you know, picture that, and drop your arms to your sides, and you go and lift your arm, like, from your elbow like you're going to shake someone's hand, that, if you put a stick right there, that's exactly how I hold my sticks. I don't think about Mm -hmm. it as american grip or french timpani grip or german or any of that stuff it's just like this grip is comfortable so the comfortable grip you know and that way the the ultimate thing is like once your technique is kind of there the only reason to have technique is to get your music music across you know what i mean a lot of people get focused on technique just to have amazing technique and then their musicality is not happening it's like man you should spend 90% more time on listening to tunes Right. And working on working on your single stroke role, you know, yep um, because a lot of that super technique you're using that one percent of a show, maybe, you know, and it's like the ninety nine percent of it is just like musicality, feel, time, groove, how you're interacting with people, you know I mean
2: right that's yeah. the stuff
1: I get really excited about with Charlie is it's just it's such a musical high playing with that guy because he knows exactly what you're doing. He knows exactly where you can go. And, you know, when I first started playing with him, he said, you know, I know what you can do on the drums, so just don't hold out on me. He's like, you know, I'll go with you wherever you want to go. But we Mm -hmm. end up typically using a lot of space. And to me, that's like the funkiest, most grooving stuff is when there's these huge gaps and you're playing like quarter notes or half notes. You know what I mean? There's huge gaps. Because then people are kind of anxious because they're like, oh, they're not playing so much. What's going to happen? You know, and they listen. So, but yeah, long story short, I am self-taught and I studied for about a year just to learn notation because I could play all this stuff technically. Like, I was trying to shed Dave Weckle records and Chicory Electric Band in, like, 6th and 7th grade just because I thought it was cool music and nobody told me I shouldn't be trying to do that, you know, which, <laughs> which is kind of cool, you know, because if I had a teacher, they'd be like, whoa, 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 you shouldn't, you know, start start over here with a rock roof, which I did, right. you know. I, did, I played the Zeppelin and Guns N' Roses and went through all of that stuff and was obsessed with John Bonham and kind of still am, and I went straight from that into Rush and then Rush straight into, like, the jazz world. You know, or it was more like fusion jazz, it was like Chick Corea Electric Band. I wasn't like straight. I don't think I understood, and I still don't understand like the Elvin Jones kind of stuff. I'm still trying to figure that out. That's
2: like that's kind of what you just said is how all of us sort of listen to the the evolution of what we were into. I mean, if you're in the age range, I'm I'm 47, so I'm just a little bit older than you. But that's the that's the progression. It's like rock, prog, and then the, the fusion thing. But yeah. how – like, I grew up – both of my parents are professional musicians. Blair's parents are professional musicians. Uh, oh, wow, uh, Ari that's cool. parents are professional musicians. So I always wonder wow. about who's who's raised in a musical family, you know. Did you have older brothers or sisters, or how did you find yeah. out about these things?
1: So the parents thing, I mean, <clears throat> my mom uh, was an interior decorator, and my dad was a stockbroker, basically, on, on Wall Street. So, like, not really – music happening but like you know they had they had records and stuff but it wasn't like they were playing you know Marvin Gaye and stuff all the time there's like I don't remember them actually putting on records a lot um Uh but I don't know I mean I I remember a very specific time when we were like with some other family friends out Long Island at one of their at their house and I remember it was like Born in the USA just was released which I think was like 84 or 5 I don't know, mid-80s and that Bruce Springsteen that you know, that obviously that huge you know, sure. album he put out. And I remember right, just yeah, yeah. listening to it going like this is cool and and kinda of thinking like I could see the hi hat, snare drum and kick drum like as separate things, you know, at it just I don't know, kinda of clicked. I was like, Oh, that's like this hi hat thing. I don't even think I knew the names. And that's the bass drum and the snare and it's just like a repeating pattern. And then I tried to figure out how you would do it and i was like i think i literally like that night was like i think i want to play the drums to my mom
2: wow huh and i probably wow.
1: just bugged her for a little while and like i i wasn't you know when you're that young it's tough and this is like obviously pre you know itunes and internet and all that so it's like if you want to go check out a record you got to have a stereo and you got to go buy a, a, a cassette tape that's you know this is even pre cd so i was like checking out cassette tapes and just kind of going, you know, maybe I should try to play the drums because I wasn't super into sports. I mean, I played some sports but wasn't super into it. I was into, like, rock climbing and skiing and kind of individual things. I didn't love, like, the team sport thing for some reason. I think my temper got in the way. I played lacrosse and got kicked off the lacrosse team because I ended up hurting some kids. But I just feel like I was better off doing stuff on my own and figuring it out without having to organize the whole team. Because that's what's cool about an instrument. You can go into a room and just get lost for years and figure out an instrument. And that's basically what I did. I just shed in my basement to Zeppelin Records and Rush Records. And I remember learning Paradise City by Guns N' Roses was like the huge record when I started actually getting a drum kit together. And just learning that intro, that boom, clack, boom, clack, boom clack I was like oh man I figured out the intro the drum solo intro part this is cool and I think I was kind of hooked um actually I will tell you a very quick story about how I really was like this is what I want to do so I had yeah. that led up to this stuff and my dad was like well you haven't been to a concert yet we should go to a concert and I was like yes that sounds awesome and when you're a kid you don't really know what that entails you're like cool I guess a band is going to play
2: Right he, right. he
1: blew, he blew it out. So I was into the Rolling Stones, and so was my brother. Um, and so my dad's like, "All right, we're gonna go see the Rolling Stones Steel Wheels tour concert at uh, Yankee. It was either Yankees or Met Stadium, but it was at a stadium, right? Wow. So we roll up, <laughs> and I'm thinking we're gonna be like, you know, in like the bleachers somewhere. We had second row seats at at that show. And Living Color was opening up. Cult of Personality and Vivid oh, and that they yeah. did was yep. blowing up. And so the first dude I ever saw play drums live was Will Calhoun. And they came out and played Du Vegas and I was like, That's it. These guys are killing it. This is what I want to do. You know.
2: Wow. Wow. Um,
1: and that's a pretty huge thing for a young kid to see at a stadium It's like Living Color coming out and just crushing it. Yeah. Um, to you know, so I was like, "This seems very cool. I, I think I want to pursue this."
2: So I think that kind of <laughs> hooked me. Um, but you didn't get it, it. Doesn't? I mean, obviously, we've never met, but your personality doesn't seem like you got addicted to the rock star portion of music. No,
1: I'm. I'm very. You were lucky
2: into the music. I
1: have, yeah, I could care less about that stuff. So people, and it was funny, yeah. man. Like people, were like, "Oh, you know, that's a great way to get girls." And da da da. I was just kind of like, man, I just like the music part of it. Like, all that other stuff is, I could care less about. And I still, to this day, I could care less about being recognized. I mean, it's nice. But to me, I still feel like I'm 17 in my basement trying to figure out this crazy instrument. Like, really, right. Every day. I still think that. I'm, like, at in the drum room at Lion King tonight, and I'll probably be just like, you know. This is such a w- weird scenario. I still feel like I'm a kid, but I'm in this like great gig, and people are buying it. So okay,
2: I'll just keep yeah. going. Yeah, Um and, You know, the, yeah. the '80s were probably the height of that. Well, '70s and '80s with just the ego rock star. Oh uh, yeah. Personality, son I think that's kind of changed. The social media has kind of put everyone on an even playing field in a way. I think. Sure. I, I think that's a little different nowadays, but. Well, good for you for not getting wrapped up.
1: Yeah, I just don't have an addictive personality, thank God. You know, like I just did a cleanse with my wife and it was like no caffeine, no booze, no, it was just like vegetables, water, fruit. That's it. Um, Uh And I do that twice a year with her. She's an acupuncturist and Chinese herbalist, so she's like super dialed in on all of that stuff.
2: Um, Yeah. And it's
1: really, it's really nice to do that for your body. And, you know, I don't drink a lot, but I'm a huge bourbon and scotch fan. So like we have really Ah. awesome bottles of that stuff floating around the the bar. But, you know, I I was like, cool, I'm just not going to drink for the month. And I didn't really think twice about it. So I I think I'm kind of like that with most things. But if I'm into something, I'm like super into it, you know. Um, Right. But yeah, I guess the music industry is, you know, it can come and go. But the eighties was like, yeah, that's a totally different thing. Now that it's you're not selling twenty million records and you're flying around everyone's in the seven forty seven with their name of their band on it's like that's over, you know. Right. Yeah. Um and I think more people are a little bit maybe humble that are huge huge stars now. You know, I've got guys following me and emailing me on Instagram and stuff that I'm like, these guys are huge, huge players but they're, like, chill enough to just shoot me an email or say, hey, I really dug that clip you posted. And I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah. Um, But that's the social media thing that ties in everything. I mean, that's how we probably know each other,
2: you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So. Yeah, in fact, the the first thing that I saw that you – the first thing that caught my attention with what you posted was you did a shuffle that – that modulated into like a rock groove and now all of a sudden your right hand that was playing the shuffle is now playing like a dotted note figure. And then you oh, right. sped yeah, it up yeah. you modulate again into like a double time shuffle and then you went back down with it. And I'm like, all right, this this dude, this guy can <laughs> he know he knows what's happening. So and I actually wow. I I went home after a gig and and late. I was still in a suit and uh went down to my practice room in my studio and did it and posted it and i think that's where i think that's the first time that you and i had communicated i think you had replied to it or something but that okay. that video that video got like 20,000 views i was like what yeah, what kind of what kind of magical groove did did Carter make up here? <laughs> but
1: that's, that's, that's what blows my mind, man. It's like everything – when I explain these
2: things in private
1: lessons or at clinics and stuff, it's really
0: – again, I'm
1: a huge fan of taking, like, single-stroke roll, double-stroke roll, and, you know, to me, that's kind of it. A paradiddle is those two things put together, I guess, if you want to call right, it. But if right. you have really good, solid, like truly solid command over a double-stroke roll and a single-stroke roll, that's kind of – what I'm using, you know, if you break it down, you know, sometimes you'll do threes in each hand or whatever, but it's a, it's a combination of just those two things and throwing in a single kick drum or a double kick drum. And now you have these odd phrases you can use. And so it's yep. not like I never did drum core or went super hardcore and geeked out on that stuff. Cause I just, to me, it was too much information that 99.9% of the people in the world will just not associate with. Um, And I just come, not that there's anything wrong with it. I'm blown away when I see those guys. I'm like, holy moly, they must have practiced that for so long. But I hear things way more swung out like a New Orleans thing than super tight military perfection. Because that to me Uh is like, it's cool to try to get perfect. But to me, there's no such thing as perfect. It's like, you know, it should feel really good. My wife should be dancing if I'm playing something. You know what I mean? That's my yeah, goal. Right. To, like, yeah. get the women or whoever, get everybody just to dance and, like, feel good, you know? And to yeah. me, that's the drummer's job, not to put on a clinic and just, like, go to town and, and show people how how fast they are. You know, that's such a popular yeah. thing right now.
2: Yeah. Uh, I feel like you've done a really good job with your social media as far as posting things that are kind of technically baffling, like the thing you do with accenting every fifth note, and you go through singles and doubles and paradiddle. Right. But you're accenting every fifth note. Do you Do you remember that one? Yeah,
1: yeah. No, I mean, I've just I was just shedding that this morning so I can teach it at the that's, clinic. Because I mean, that's the thing, man. I gotta make sure that's that awesome. Can do this stuff.
2: Exactly. Like I know, but then you'll post easy. something like, nice, like nice groove, something that's kind of funky and interesting, but it's not like but not hard. You
1: know, it's, exactly. it's not like, I'm not I'm not trying to prove to everybody that I'm some slick drummer. There's plenty of those guys out there already. I just I feel like I'm kind of combating the gospel chops thing by saying, hey, you know, what, guys, it's it's totally cool and equally as valuable, if not more valuable to just play something simple that feels nice. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And and you could throw in one little thing here and there that's not difficult. But technically, like I, mean, I check out a lot of people's press rolls or, or press strokes on one hand. And they're kind of usually not happening. They're, they kind of sound real gritty. Where to me a perfect buzz roll would sound just like, like the ocean or like white noise. You know what I mean? That's perfect. Yep. And mm-hmm. if you have control over that, that's the most useful thing on a kit because we don't get whole notes that we can control. That's really the only way you can get. If somebody says play a whole note on the drums, you can't hit a snare drum and go, well there you go. It's kind exactly. of like well it's that's like a thirty second note or something. So basic stuff, again, I ask guys, can you do a press roll? They go, yeah, 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 I can do one. And I I hear it. I'm like, man, that is garbage. Like, you got to work on that, you
2: know? (laughs) Right.
1: And I'm not trying to be mean, but it's real, you know? Because it, like, guys ask me what it takes to sub on Lion King and different, you know, if guys wanted to cover me on a Charlie Hunter gig or something, I'm like, these are the things you have to have locked. And if you don't you're going to look foolish. So I'm just telling you, in reality, on a real gig, what you need to have together. And playing 64th notes with your feet between your foot and your floor tom is not one of them. You know what I mean? Right. So, again, it's probably like, I feel like an old fart, like broken record, but it's like
2: basic stuff, man, and then just be creative with it, you know? Well, the thing that's great, um, and and I kind of got a little insight when you said your mom was an interior designer and your dad was a, was an investor. You have a very meticulous uh, attention to detail in what you do, and I can—I mean, that's exactly what your parent did. Oh yeah. Every meticulous detail—it uh, needs to be right. It needs to be clean. It needs to be—you know—it needs to be efficient. Like those—those those are the kinds of traits that I see in you, and it's obvious that that's what you, how you grew up. Very clear. Thank you. All the—all the yeah. Present. I mean,
1: everything should have a purpose if there's something in your house it should be useful and have a purpose otherwise get rid of it you know what I mean I mean right that's how I see it Um, Uh and just aesthetically you want to be in a space that that feels comfortable and obviously you know inspiring to you and so you know when I'm working in Times Square every day it's just purely chaotic so when I come home I want to have stuff be organized When I turn something on, it should work, and should sound good, and, like, you know, I don't have a ton of gear in my studio. I have, Right now, I have six preamps. They're all B-A-E, pre. I'm just sitting in front of my desk right now looking at how clean everything is, and it's like, you know, I have that. I plug my Earthworks mics or whatever into them and play, and people are like, man, what's your secret? And I'm like, there's no secret, dude. It's get a good pre and a good mic, and if you know how to play, it'll sound really
2: good, or it should. Right. Um, are you using two? What are you, are you using two mics usually when you do your like just a video post? Yeah, like
1: ninety percent of the time. I'll experiment because I've been working with Earthworks lately on designing some stuff, and so we've been like they just came out with this new uh, clip-on tom mic that's super rad. Um, so huh. they they sent me a, a prototype set of those, and they just wanted my feedback, and I gave it to them, and they changed actually the bass drum mic was way too hot, the sensitivity of it. So I was like, man, even with a pad on this thing, it's still, like, overloading the the line. And so they designed one called the – you know what? I'm going to go look at this thing because it's going to drive me nuts because I helped design this thing. Um, the SR20LS, which means, like, basically low sensitivity. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, just little things like that. But So, like, right now I'm looking at my setup, and I have that in front of my 18-inch kick, about 2 inches. And I'm actually going to be making a video – for them um, they're sending me another uh, one of their mic pres they make these amazing beautiful, super clean like unbelievable clarity mic preamps and I'm gonna do a demo of how I use that pre with their mics and how I get my sound and set it up but yeah, overhead, mono overhead, and kick, so two mics, man and it's like if you if you balance your own plane, which you should be able to do, it sounds dope, you know
2: yeah um yeah, and
1: I've A-B'd it I've done mics on everything on the toms on the snare on the kick you know stereo overheads and it's cool it's like a more modern kind of thing but to me the way I hear things in my favorite records from you know a lot of jazz guys is more of an ambient kind of older school approach which might have been just like one mic kind of near the drums and that was the drum set mic you know back in the day Um, right so the whole less is more thing is to me, actually, true a lot of the time. You know, it's it's easy yeah. to get caught up in the gear, but you know, having good a good chain of gear makes a difference. You know, there's a lot of clarity and detail and
2: symbols that you might not get with some stuff. You know. Um, yeah, your I mean, yeah, your pre's and mics should definitely have some quality. Yeah. Although, and, you know, although, you know, even though when you say that, I mean, Blair was telling me about a, a microphone that he got that was like this twenty-five dollar mic that has a capsule in a gunshot shell oh
1: my god and
2: and he just yeah he just he just completely overdrives it and that becomes kind of like a room sort of effect sound but it was, like the crunch mic know, yeah total crunch mic and it was like 30 bucks or something
1: yeah and that's the thing i mean look that's the thing that mic has a very specific purpose you know you can't right. use that for your mono overhead you know so like invest in that kind of stuff when you can you know
2: exactly but, yeah
1: you know and there's also i've recorded clips just randomly when i was running out of the house i was like oh, i should post this groove really quickly it's kind of fun and i'll just set up my iphone and just hit go and post that and that'll get twenty thousand views. views be like man this sounds dope and i'm like well okay cool <laughs> it's like that's my phone but all right is, you,
2: know? so that's you never
1: crazy, you never man. know but yeah i mean there's a lot of gear out there, and there's there's a lot of stuff you don't need. You know, I've had companies, especially just drum companies, are like, "Hey man, really like what you're doing? Can we send you this product to check out and maybe do a post if you like it?" And like a lot, some of them, I say, "Yeah, cool." Like a lot of these, like you know, other companies, I I totally say yes and love what they what they make. But I'll I'll just straight up tell people like, "Look man, this, it's a cool thing, but it's not my thing. So I'm gonna just I'm I'm not gonna even have you send one because I don't want to waste your money." You know. Right, um, right. So anything I'm using, I really do use. People are like, oh, people just send you that. And I'm like, yeah, some people do send me that stuff, and some people, you know, don't. And I like the the cowbell I I bought for, uh, at Revival. think thing wasn't cheap, man, but I was like, this is a dope sound. I've ne- never heard anything else like it. I'm buying it, you know?
2: Yeah, um, right.
1: So you've you got to believe in what you're playing. Otherwise, you just become kind of like a NASCAR driver wearing kind of a jumpsuit with a million names on it. Oh, God.
2: So easy nowadays, especially because there's so many boutique companies that are pushing their stuff out, and there's a lot of awesome stuff. It's amazing. There's such an explosion with drum gear in particular, I feel.
1: It's a double-edged sword, you know, because that allows this room for, you know, everyone on their phone can have kind of their own product store now there's a lot of really janky stuff out there, but also there's some amazing products being made, you know, like um, this guy, Scott, who started Tackle Instruments, who makes simple bags and sticks bags and stuff. His stuff is so dope. I mean, that's all the stuff I'm taking on tour is Tackle stuff, just because it's really thoughtful. It's really well made. And it's like a drummer who's a a badass drummer and who tours is designing this stuff. So he, he sent me this little pouch thing. He's like, dude, clip that onto the stick bag and tell me what you think. And I was like, this is the perfect holder for my phone, my earplugs. And, like, a pen or a marker, if I have to sign anything after the gig, it's like, boom. And it just attaches to the stick bag, and that's what goes on tour, you know? It's just, like, thoughtful, yeah. and it's really nicely made. It's, like, really nice leather. Scott cool. is
2: the most humble dude. I couldn't even believe yeah. how, how soft-spoken and humble he was when I met him at the Chicago drum show. I was at the low, like talking to the low boy beater guys and Scott walks up and says, are you Rich Stitzel? And I said, yeah. And he goes, you post some really crazy videos with coordination. I'm like, yeah. He's like, those are really cool, man. I'm like, thanks. And I'm like, who is this guy? You know, he didn't say anything. <laughs> right. And then and then someone else introduced him and I'm like, You're Scott McPherson? <laughs> oh my God, man. Yeah. I like I didn't you he never see his face until recently. But uh Sure. He was so so humble and he gave me a bag and I'm like, dude, you are such a generous, kind soul and such a great artisan. It's awesome. Very cool. Have you been to his shop, his little shop yet?
1: I haven't. We were trying to figure out, I was going to try to get to do a clinic out there at some point. And I'm sure it'll happen at some point just when the timing works out. I've just been crazy busy. Like between now and March, my schedule is just totally bananas. Like I'm doing this tour starting tomorrow for two weeks. I get home. I do one Lanking show, then it's basically Christmas. Then it's New Year's. Then I'm doing a record at my house with Charlie Hunter and this girl, Shelby Johnson, who's amazing singer. She sang with Prince for 10 years. She was like the girl running around at the Super Bowl halftime show, singing with Prince. Um, So that's going to be a really cool trio record. Then the day after they leave, I'm uh, gutting my kitchen and doing a renovation on our kitchen. Then a few days after that, we get a puppy. um, (laughs) And then at that point, oh, then I fly out to Nam for two days. I'll be at Nam Thursday, Friday. Then I go... I fly north to Sacramento to do a three-day camp with Mike Johnston at his facility. Then I go do an in-store clinic with him the following day, fly home. Then we're basically in February. And then the end of February, I'm doing a four-day workshop with Mike Johnston and Mike Dawson out near my, about an hour and a half from my house in New York State. So it's just like this year is going to be Absolutely nuts. And then there's some other stuff I'm working on with Ron that will be coming out later in the spring that I have to uh uh-huh. shut about. But this is busy, busy, busy. And then in between all that doing Lion King and teaching. Right. So Right. Yeah. It's good man. I'm it's good, just, man. I'm
2: happy to be busy. Absolutely. Yeah. You it know. seems like there's there's so much there's so much work right now. Like in Chicago, work. there's I mean, so much work. That's amazing. And I think it, it feels like it's that way. I don't know. It seems like that's how everyone's experience is right now, which is yeah, great. Yeah, are so
1: busy, which is good. I mean, it's definitely happening well man
2: it would be cool to get you god if you went to minneapolis and did his store it'd be cool to get you to chicago to do something yeah, maybe no, we I, could figure I, something I out talked
1: with chicago was a chicago drum exchange huh. i was emailing them a while back and they're like look if you're ever out in this way with charlie or whoever like we'd love to have you come in and do something or i don't know where people would do stuff out there but that seems like
2: a, a cool shop do you do a lot of
1: clinics out there
2: you know it's not in my own city much I might do right. I'll do some colleges. I'll go to a college and work with just their drummers. But uh I don't I haven't really done any clinics here. I've done I've done um like a 4-week intensive at Vic's Drum Shop. They had me come oh, in wow. and do basically do an intensive on uh on that first book. I think I sent you a copy of, my, of the foundational yeah, yeah. series book. Yeah, that's yeah right. We did a really cool. We did a deal. Yeah, and a new one's coming out. In fact, I pick it up tomorrow, and that one is crazy.
1: <laughs> oh, well, well goes, the first one's yeah. hard enough. <laughs> the first one's hard, I know. I mean, I still am looking through some of that stuff going like, man, how is he doing that? But I that's the fun know. thing, it's, man. It's, it's just an ongoing thing. I mean, the only book that I ever worked out of was Gary Chester's New Breed and, like, the composite yeah. systems at the end, end the, of that were like, are you kidding me? I have to do this now, yeah. and I have to sing this and do it, play a left-hand lead? I was like, this is tough. But useful stuff man it's like real stuff you know and it it makes it makes you open up your your ears to what's possible on the drums you know
2: sure but that's that's Hmm. that's kind of what i've done i mean i do i do clinics at colleges and and uh churches and things in other other states but not i i guess I, i probably because i'm so busy when i'm in town that I just right. don't even think about it. Yeah, know, well, that's a good p- position
1: is. to be in, you know? It's like, yeah. I don't have time to do that. I'm already busy. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I feel I like mean, everyone else is so busy, too. So it's like... Well, yeah, you know, I mean, luckily, most people I know are, are running around doing stuff, you know? And the only reason I booked these two clinics on this tour is because I had a day off uh, right before Vancouver's. So Ron said, hey, do you want to do a clinic up in Vancouver? I'll just fly you up on the day off, and it'll be easy. I said, yeah, done.
0: And then Revival
1: said, hey, we we saw you're going to be in the area playing in Portland. Do you want to do something? I said, sure, man. That'd be great. So that's how those happened.
2: So it's always pretty organic how that comes about. When I'm on the road, I definitely overbook myself. That's when I go crazy with stuff. Like, I'm going to be in your city. Let's do a, let's do a workshop and I'll totally. just kill myself because I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not with my family. I'm just by myself
1: yeah, it's or, like, you well, know, spend you're... time in the hotel or teach, you know, it's like I'd rather yeah. be teaching. Right. You know? yeah. Charlie, I mean, the last, I did a tour, uh, the last tour I did, I was booking lessons and then, like some days I couldn't even get to a drum set and this, the guys were like, look, I'll come to your hotel and just work on hand stuff and ideas. They said, like, great. So I taught three hours straight in my hotel room before the gig and Charlie was like, "Man, how do you do that before you go and play like a 2-hour set?" I was like, "Man, I'd rather be doing that than watching some garbage television or just, you know, doing nothing." Yeah. Um so I'm already getting emails from a bunch of different locations for this California run and, you know, uh, Oregon and all that stuff. So we'll see how many. The problem is when you're touring, it's hard to, you know, if you roll in, you got sound check and you might have an hour or two to kill. Exactly. Hard. Right like, well, I can teach you while I'm eating my dinner if you really, you know, it's like there's very limited time a lot of these shows. So, we'll see. I'll try to fit in as many as I can and hopefully the people that are in the area can make the clinic, which will
2: be like, you know, basically a long drum lesson. So, that's great. Yeah. Very it's cool. cool. Well, we should definitely get something on the back burner and move it a little bit forward with getting you to Chicago in some in some capacity. I mean, we, my wife owns yeah. a yoga studio and there's definitely Enough room to put you know 40 people for a clinic in there. Oh right, um, that's very cool. Drum, yeah, and the uh, drum exchange is great. there's a, They've got a nice little area. So yeah, I'm done. There's definitely. I mean, I've
1: told I've told a lot of shops, and like guys keep hitting me up on Instagram. Hey man, when are you gonna come and do a UK tour? And when are you gonna come to Ireland to do a clinic? And I'm like. I'm happy to do that, but I can't fly to Ireland for $200, you know? <laughs> like, right. You know, like one, yeah. one like a real, I'm not going to say who it is, but like a very legit music school in Europe, you know, it has a very legit name emailed and said, hey, we'd love to get you over here, da-da-da-da, but um, we can pay you $300. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, and then on top of that, they're like, and we can't cover any of your travel. I was like, dude, I'd be in the hole twenty five hundred dollars before I even got there. Like, what are you talking about? Wow, that's very strange. It's just nuts what people's expectations are. It's like, well, or I could just stay home and play Lion King and make some good bread and go home. You know? Yeah. But I love teaching. I just, I just, I'm not going to lose thousands of dollars to go do it.
2: I'm not going to name the person that I'm going to tell you this little short story about. I'm not going to name him. Yes. I already love this story. <laughs> because I don't even want uh, – okay, that's enough. Enough said with that. But he uh, was going to do – I'm from Texas, by the way. I I grew up in Texas. I've been in Chicago for 15 years, 16 years. But uh, So I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas so this drummer was coming into town to be the guest artist with the big band at one of the colleges in town. And his fee for coming in for the day, doing the clinic workshop with the band and doing the concert that night was three grand for the day. And, okay. uh, you know, no problem. The, the head of the music department was totally cool with that. And so he flew in and. All of a sudden, a bill shows up. You know, they did the concert and everything. And then all of a sudden, a bill shows up, and it was a bill for a three thousand dollar first class plane ticket to go there. Wow! And so he said, anytime he travels, he travels first class, and he never buys a ticket until he walks into the airport. So, <laughs> those so six thousand dollars wow. to have to have this artist for you know less than. 12 hours unbelievable
1: I mean isn't that crazy? and that's the that's the thing man like you got to take into account that you know everyone's busy and if you're at a certain level yeah like you deserve I guess a certain amount of money or something but at the end of the day you got to be reasonable man it's like look dude I'll fly in the back of the plane I don't need some golden seat to sit in to play the drums you know what I mean it's like but I'm also not going to pay out of my pocket for something that's my job that's that's otherwise it's like what am I doing um right but that's crazy man to just and also to just that's one thing to say by the you know up front i need to fly first class and it's going to cost you guys an extra 3k that guy probably would have said well i can't do that you know what i mean but again the exactly. person forced they forced the hand of that and that's just not a classic yeah. move that's why, that's why i'm not gonna the name, name who
2: it is because the whole world knows who who this person is but right well I and know, but, the world you know, of drummers
1: i I don't even fly, I have to fly on a private jet if you want me to come out to Chicago to do anything. So I'm just gonna, (laughs) I'm gonna just throw that out there right. And I need at least a, a medium sized limo to pick me up at the airport.
2: I think there's an Amtrak from your town to Chicago. Oh, that's
1: cool, too. We could do that. That's fine.
2: 24 Power hours on people. the train. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's well, you know, crazy it's crazy, industry. especially when you think of people in other, uh, you know, people who speak like a motivational speaker. Like, uh, I don't even know, but they will charge anywhere from twenty-five to to $100,000 to speak. For an hour. That's kind of insane. What it is insane. I think I think the highest paid speaker is Bill Clinton. For some Bill reason Clinton. I think he gets I think he gets like a quarter of a million dollars for an hour or something or for twenty minutes. I, I don't know. That's but insane. I, that's it is bizarro to me. Yeah. But you have like uh I don't know if you do you listen to any podcasts, do you do that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, I mean I I do. I mean, I don't listen to like, I mean, some people have so many, uh, you know, that they're like, oh, I listen to this one and this one and this one. Um, I listen to this um, entrepreneur guy, Gary Vee, a lot just because I think he's pretty smart in how he deals with things and he's he's very
2: relevant these days. Um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm pretty then, addicted to Gary V.
1: He was actually like... Doing some video thing right outside of the Lion King in a cab, and I knew exactly where he was, and it was a live Instagram thing in a cab, and I was literally like, I could run out there, and he's out there right now, but I'm not going to be that guy, which is kind of crazy, ah, But I should have. He probably would have been into it. Um,
2: you should be. You should be that guy. I mean, he's near you a lot. That'd be hilarious yeah. for you to show up on. If one I
1: ever things. actually just saw him walking down the street, I'd go give him this big high five and be like, thanks, because he's just very positive, and that's to me what people need to be more of these days because there's so much negativity floating around right now especially right now. I mean, yeah, you know, the totally. girl Silvano that was supposed to be on this tour with us got denied her visa because she I Mexico. saw that. Yeah, that's You know, and nuts, it's just man. it's like come on, you know. So that yeah. kind of it's embarrassing honestly, but I'm not going to dive down that rabbit hole. Um yeah. So, yeah, I mean the thing is it's just like to me it's you show up, you kind of like put out your best best foot forward and just, you know, try to be authentic in whatever you're doing and really buy what you're doing. Don't don't pretend you're some other artist and you want to be like this guy or you're going to all of a sudden have a new agenda because Instagram is trending this way or that way. It's like, look, people. I think people are following me too because I'm pretty honest and straight up and I'm very easily accessible. When people message me, I usually get back to them that day and try yeah. to answer any any questions they have, you know, as long as it's not like a, you know, a resume I need to write. Um, and just being a normal person, i you know, I feel like I'm just every other drummer out there that I meet. I'm like, dude, I'm just like you, you know, I've just been practicing longer. Just stick with it. You know, that's right. It.
2: Did you, um, uh, I think, I think when I first became aware of you, you were around, you had around t- like 26,000 people, because I remember watching those numbers grow very quickly. You went from like 26 yeah. to 30 real quick.
1: Yeah, I mean, it went from 10 to 30 or whatever pretty quick. I
2: mean, really? I, I remember when
1: I – I remember I woke up one day and was like, whoa, I have 10,000 followers. all like, it just kind of happened. And then – a few days, like, you know, a few months later, it's like, oh, now I have 20. It just doubled in a very short amount of time. It it goes through weird jumps because I, I watch it and I'm like, you know, in one day sometimes I'll get a few hundred followers in a day and I'm like, what did I do? I don't know. Like, maybe somebody posted a video on some drummer chat channel or something. I have no idea. But it's yeah. interesting. And then I'll go by, by a bunch of days where I'll have, like, one or two followers, you know, and – Then I'll look at it and a bunch of people will unfollow, you know. So I just – I try to not worry about it and just post stuff that's interesting to me and stuff that might help somebody that's living in the middle of who knows where, where they don't have access to, like, a big city or certain things and just try to kind of come at it from that angle.
2: Yeah. I really like how you're – you also post – other other people's stuff like you you just post a brian blade thing or a jack dejanette yeah. thing that's How great can you, not? you know i know it's, it's so cool though it's it's,
1: it's yeah well there's some real. i mean that's people are like man that's that's such a cool thing you did on at two minutes and 37 seconds in that video and then i'm like all right go listen to this song that Idris muhammad is playing and you can see who actually came up with it i'm just you know like <laughs> everyone else I'm not taking credit for any of this stuff. People are like, man, that five thing you're doing, is so cool. And I'm like, yeah, you know how I came up with that? I just added a bass drum, and now you have five notes instead of four. You know, it's not like it's some thing. It's just, it's music, you know? It's like somebody says, like, oh, I really, to a bass player, like, I really love how you're slapping the bass. It's like, yeah, I mean, you know. Larry Graham might have come up with it, but it's just the sound, you know? It's just like, what what's the music? People get so wrapped up in the technique a lot of the times they forget that we're playing music, you
2: know? And right. That's what yeah. I'm trying
1: to push more than anything. It's like, be a be a total musician. And I look, I'm not saying I am, I'm, but I'm trying to be, you know what I mean? Like, I play sure. bass and sure. guitar a little bit. and Like, every day at Soundcheck with Charlie, I get excited because I, I try to figure out his instrument, because so, I play a finger-style guitar, so I can kind of And when I say kind of, I mean like 0.001% play his instrument. So I can get a little bass line and like one chord happening, but it grooves because I understand the sound of it. And then he'll play drums because he's an amazing drummer. And that, to me, is you can kind of understand each other's perspective that way because you're actually playing Uh each other's instruments.
2: Um, Right. So, you know, being open to that and wanting to do that. Is I think really important. This is for four hands drumming your your website. It's Sorry, what of, was that? Your your focus for your four hands drumming educational side is it more focused on exactly what you're saying right now? Just music, playing music, getting sounds.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I started that originally. I mean, this was like a while ago. It was myself. Well, Matt Johnson hit me up one day, who's a buddy of mine, and he said, "Man, I you know I saw this Drumio clinic thing you did, and it got like so many views. Like we should." we could do some teaching kind of thing like that at your at your studio and I was like yeah maybe we should do that so he's like I think we should do three guys it'll be me you know him this is Matt Johnson so when we were designing it it was myself Matt Johnson and Mark Giuliano and so we were having we sat down and had like three or four meetings in the city about what we were going to do and the fact that all three of us were very different style of players. And at the time, Mark's book DVD was like, I think was either getting filmed or they were asking him to do it. And I was just like, man, you should just do that. Like that's such a good avenue for you to go down right now. It's kind of a home run. Just go do that. And so mm-hmm. when when that happened, it was like, I was asking Matt, maybe we should just not do it if it's not the three of us. He said, well, the two of us can do it. I said, okay. Because um, I didn't want to do anything by myself. It's not really fun. You just sit in a room by yourself and do all the filming, all the editing, all the teaching, all the content—it's a lot of work, as you yeah. know. You know, just just making a one-minute clip takes time, you know. But talk about yeah. providing an hour or an hour and a half lesson of just smack content—that's packed in there—it's it, a lot. Um, and so Matt and I did the first couple episodes and started it, and then some really awful stuff happened to him personally that I, it was just super horrible, and. I just said, look, man, you need to be focusing on your family and everything right now. So let's, let's just take a time out. And he was like, yeah, you're right. He's like, I I got to sort of focus on this. So I, I basically ended up just doing everything from then on out. Matt's in like the first, I think three or four episodes, which is really great because he has such a cool perspective on things. And, and I've kind of capped it now. I think there's 14 or 15 episodes. So you're getting about 15 or 16 hours worth of stuff. And I just haven't had mm-hmm. a lot of time to film anything new. so, As of now, you you pay a one-time fee for the year, and you get all of whatever's on the site you get. You know, it's not like you buy this lesson, you buy that lesson. It's just like you pay for the year, you can watch it on your phone, you can watch it on your computer, and there's like little sub-mini lessons on a couple of the episodes. Um, And I go through everything, basic tuning, how I tune an 18-inch bass drum to how I get my snare drum sound and different tunings, why I use the heads, I do a whole lesson on Miking and microphone technique and one mic versus, you know, ten mics and how that sounds different. And I just slowly add mics around the kit so you can hear that. I do a whole bunch of stuff on technique and augmenting your kit, um, playing appropriate songs or parts for songs. So I have, like, a couple play-along tunes that I would send send people that are subscribers to play along with. Um, so just stuff like that. I did an episode with Charlie just talking about what he looks for in a drummer which is cool to get, mm-hmm. you know, from Tom Barney, who's the bass player at Lion King. It's one of my really good buddies who's played with, you know, Miles Davis and
2: Steely Dan and sure. Elton John,
1: yeah. Michael Jackson. I mean, so he came out and we talked. We mostly just talked. And I said, man, you know, you have played with Sonny Emery and Dennis. I mean, he's played with everybody. I said, right. what do you look for? And I think that's a super valuable because you're getting it from the guy who's going to be giving you the call. Most drummers aren't calling you. It's like, oh, this bass player I know needs a drummer. And they're going to call you, right. you know.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: so that's – I'm just trying to do stuff that has helped me and, you know, perspectives that have helped me on my little road because everybody's road is totally different, you know, and it's great. They're all unique, but if there's something that I can tell some younger guy that's trying to make it happen and it, it helps him along his way, I think that's a win,
2: you know. Yeah. So. Is that is that going well? So. Yeah.
1: I mean, there's – kind of like, you know, it goes in waves because it's like – the info that's up there is up there. So if somebody's had it for a year, they're probably not gonna resubscribe unless they didn't get through everything in that year. Um I, I mean I kinda did it as a side supplemental, not even to make a bunch of bread, just people kept asking me the same stuff. Hey, can you show me how like I I literally get asked this every day. Like how do you tune your drums? How do you tune your bass drum? What heads are you using? Did it like and it you know, I try to really answer everybody, but at the same time I'm like, man, this is like I should just do a lesson on how I tune. So that's how this all started, um so a lot of that stuff. When people say, "Hey, you should do a lesson on technique," or da 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 da, I'm like, "Look, man, I charge $120 for an hour of private. The subscription for the year is $165. So for $45 more, you get like 15 drum lessons versus one. That's how I look at it. You know? Yeah, totally. Um, right. And if they have that info and want to do a private with me just so I can like give them really specific feedback about their hands or their feel or touch or any of that stuff, then we can do that. But I tell most people, man, and not because I'm just trying to, you know, make, you know, make the money. It's not about that. I could have charged a lot more money for it. People are like, man, you're kind of not charging a lot for a whole year. I said, look, man, I want somebody. It's, I think it's like $12 or $13 a month. I, I wanted it to be like a, you know, three cups of coffee can get you a month you know what I mean so mm-hmm.
2: um,
1: and you know the nice thing is it's, it's all my thing so if I want to add a lesson tomorrow I can do that and I will when I have more time And but I don't want to just put up a lesson every month just to put up a lesson every month I feel like right now I've covered a ton of stuff that's there so if you can yeah. get through every lesson and everything I talk about in those 15 episodes then you should get a private if you can play all that stuff and then we can really dive into some crazy stuff You know, it's like until then, it's like, man, why would you call me for a private if you still can't do lesson number four? You know what I mean? So, and it's it's cool. You know, people that have subscribed, which has been actually, I'm surprised how many people have subscribed. I've gotten a lot of personal messages saying, man, this is amazing education. It's super, super helpful. And, you know, thank you for doing this. And it's cool. It's really, I really do appreciate everybody. You know, people chime in every day and send me messages that are, like, really heartfelt encouraging stuff and it's like how you know how can that not feel good Right. you know just trying to be on. I just feel like honesty man wins at the end of the day like not being cocky knowing that I'm not the biggest thing to happen to drums it's just like I don't I, I could care less about that stuff I just I still feel like I'm on my little path and if people want to chime in and walk along with me that's cool too that's fun but I'm not trying to prove anything to anybody you know where I see some right. people out there and they're really trying like so over the top on things, I'm like, man, this does not feel natural to me at all, you know. Um, yeah. But that's it. Just trying to be honest and have some clarity in my
2: playing. That would be it. Yeah. <laughs> my life in in a, in a nutshell. Do you have any kind of uh, practice regimen that you do? Daily or do you practice much?
1: Uh, I don't, well, warm up. I mean, for me, I don't have a warm up. I mean, people are always asking me like, man, what do you do when you get to Lion King or when you get to, I'm like, I literally pick up the sticks, put in my in-ears and play. like There's no yeah. doing singles on my leg. I'm- I, mean, I play every day, so I'm, my hands are at a certain kind of level yep. all the time. Right. Like I, I, if somebody says, sit down and play a blazing single stroke roll, like, I can do that. It's not, it's not something I need to work up to. To me, when I sit down, like I'm literally just looking at my kit right now. When I sit down and play now, I'm trying to work off of, like, you know, some melodic phrase. Like, the other day I sat down and I played do-dee, do-dee between my four-tom rack and snare, and I was like, oh, Love Supreme, that's the melody, for me. oh, that's cool. So I just went off on that for a while and just played around that idea um, and tried to sound like Elvin Jones, which is not happening for me, but it's fun to try, you know? <laughs> um, and just, you know, exploring sounds and, and space more than anything, it's kind of easy to sit down and just... Blades a bunch of nonsense. You know, people get wowed by it and it's kinda like candy. It's it's easy but it's not maybe the best thing for you. Um and to me I'm trying to like deliver maybe more organic food versus candy. Like something that actually tastes pretty good and is actually really a lot better for you than you know. You know what I mean? Um, right kind of a silly silly analogy maybe, but it's maybe a good one because you know, I just to me the drums, you only have a couple notes. You're not going to be playing, like, a, a musical concerto. I mean, Ari Honey might be able to do that. Um, but I, I can't hear it that way. And so I just take it for the four notes, like, on a four-piece kit. That's what you got. And you got a couple pitches on your cymbals. And touch, to me, is a huge thing, man. I really try to practice all my rudiment, rudiments, the two rudiments I use, singles and doubles, at, like, very extreme volume levels, like, as quiet as possible. Like, I try to picture like an 85 year old couple having dinner right next to my hi-hat and I have to play a blazing fast single stroke roll, but not blow them away. You know what I mean? And talk, I'm talking like the sticks, the sticks are coming a half inch off the head. That's how quiet, right. you know what I mean?
0: Like a that's maybe too
1: high. And just always trying to push. Like when I tell people to play a groove, they always come out playing like forte to double forte. And they're like, I'm going to really blow this guy away. Check this out. I'm like, cool, man. Great groove let's play it at triple pianissimo, but same vibe same intensity but just super quiet and they can't do it they lose they slow down the the intensity's not there um you know and that's stuff that's actually you know you need to be able to do on a gig is play quietly
2: absolutely yeah cuz
1: playing hard is not you just you wind up and hit the drums that that does technique wise it's not crazy but playing quiet is hard especially if you're playing ding 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 on a ride cymbal you know, there's a tune with Charlie that we got to play this crazy up bebop thing at the head, and he never even told me we were gonna do this tune when we played it. And he's like, "Oh yeah, this is kind of like an up tempo thing in the beginning." And I was like, "Okay," because he doesn't really like to rehearse. And he starts going like ding 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 ding, and I'm like, "Oh boy, this is really quick." Okay, but like you know, my hands can do it, but it's also you got to wrap your head around that tempo. But playing it really really quiet makes it a lot more hip than just like blazing loud, you know. And you can have that kind of control. It's uh, it's very, very useful, I think. And then the musicians are happy because you're not just crushing loud drums and cymbals in their face all night.
2: Totally. You know, I come home from a like a five-hour corporate gala with a 15-piece band, and I'm okay at the end of it. If I come home from a three-hour quiet jazz gig, I'm exhausted. And I think maybe right. it's, you've got to be your mental game. On jazz is so much different than playing a pop gig but the physical control of playing really soft and keeping the spirit of the music alive it's incredibly difficult and challenging but but you're right i mean it's so important i love that i love i love playing soft and challenging that. Well,
1: a, yeah it becomes kind of to me it becomes a totally different instrument when you have that kind of finesse you know like it's just more pleasing like Just to be around. When somebody comes in and just starts bashing a drum kit, I'm like, God, man, I don't even want to be in the
2: same room right now, let alone what you're playing. Um, One of the things that challenges me, I'd like to get your perspective on this. I love to tune low. I always say it's the Texas in me, but I just love big sounding low drums. I play, you know, I play like the Walnut Crabbiato kit. And I, I did a record in Nashville a while ago. I remember the, the engineer brought a snare drum out and he said, this, this drum is finger tight. Like, I tuned this, the lugs are just as tight as my fingers can make them. And that was the snare that went onto the record. That was new for me at that time. It was probably 20 years ago now. Wow. And, and from that point on, I'm always, I always have that phrase in my head, finger tight. So when you're playing a little bit uh, with a little bit more intensity, I definitely don't hit hard. I grew up in a jazz household. and I'm a, I'm a quiet drummer, but you can get some tone when the when the drums are tuned a little lower with some with some energy behind the stick. The thing is, when I go into a quiet situation, I don't like to tune my drums up into the bebop range.
1: Right, yeah. You you can get
2: so much sound out of barely touching a tom that's really cranked. Oh yeah. So I like so crazy. I'm always yeah, so I'm always challenging myself with the tunings when I'm changing when I know I'm going to be playing a very quiet gig. I still like to have what I consider would be my sound, you know, which is The lower tunings and it's just like if you don't hit the drum in the right place when the tom is loose there might not be any sound coming out of the drum just because (laughs) there's nowhere for it to resonate do you change your tunings based on the you know kind of the what you know the gig is going to be the intensity of the gig
1: yeah i mean it's also just my mood i think people when they say i really dig your sound i mean maybe they think of more of an open sounding kit and i don't really mute and muffle the drums a ton but, like, I use an 18-inch bass drum a lot of the time with Charlie. This next tour is going to be a 20, which I'm excited to kind of check out because I'm going to just, you know, they're going to be closed-headed kick drum with nothing in it with skin Diplomats on both sides. Um, and that I'll probably tune it. I'm just picturing how I'm going to tune the kit for this tour. I'll probably tune it, like, medium-low, you know, pretty floppy. But when you have nothing in it, you still have this, like, little bit of tone if you feather the bass drum. And But you still, when you, like, wail it, you get a nice punch out of it. Um and for the size rooms, like we're doing a couple small theaters and then we're doing a couple small clubs and it's gonna sound killer. Uh the toms, I'll probably tune medium. Like I, I never crank to like Bebop zone 'cause to me it's just it kinda chokes the drum out. It's just I you take all the tone and the beauty of the drum and it's just like Bink, gone. Um but if you're Bill in Stewart, the room. It sounds Yeah, and you know right. if you're Bill Stewart it sounds amazing. His floor tom is like ranked, but he sounds like a beast on all that stuff, because that's his thing. Um, I kind of tune the Tom's medium, and then, like with Charlie, my regular setup is like two snare drums and a bass drum. And so I'll change, I'll put like, you know, Scott sent me one of these towels from Tackle, it's like a little rag basically that clips on, and I'll throw that on and off the snare all night, or I'll detune two of the lugs really quickly if we're playing like a slow ballad or a blues, where it kind of needs to be a little bit more dead and kind of fat and like loose, I'll go that really quickly. I mean, I'm always changing, you know, I have a bunch of videos of shows uh, on YouTube of Charlie and I. And if you watch the whole set, I probably tune the drums a bunch and put different things on, Big Fat Snare Drum Mutes or whatever on them. Um Like I brought probably five different Big Fat Snare Drum Mutes on this tour just because I know some of the tunes we're playing are like kind of Motown vibe, And when you have your Toms tuned, kind of medium, medium-tight, let's say, so there's, like, a nice tone ring happening, if you throw those two big, fat uh snare mutes on the toms, it literally drops it, like, over an octave in pitch. I don't know it's a Whoa, it's physics thing. Yeah, I guess it's physics, but you immediately go from this kind of nice, warm, open-sounding ring... To, like, oh, these are the toms from, like, Michael Jackson's, you know, thriller or something where it's just, like, super fat and punchy and it takes four seconds to do it. And you don't even have to tune anything. So those things are really rad for that. Um, but, yeah, it's also a mood, man. Sometimes I, I want to show up and I've been listening to, like, Zigaboo all day or James Brown and I'm just like, man, I am just going to crank my snare yeah. drum tonight, you know. Uh, and it's great for certain things, but it doesn't work at all for other things, you know. Um, yeah. so just knowing knowing what you can pull out of a drum and little tricks you know the, the, obviously the looser i tune it the looser i have my snares because you have the snares cranked like you would on a tight snare drum it's going to sound horrible when you detune it right um, so like letting it breathe like when you have a real loose snare drum head on the top you want those snares to kind of match the looseness of the head so i would loosen them like three clicks at least um yeah. you know but that's just stuff you learn as you as you get in different situations. And then on a rock gig, like, if I'm playing with my brother, who's an amazing guitar player and singer, I mean, I'll just, like, kind of go, like, Stephen Ferrone on it and just, like, kind of have a nice ringy, you know, crack and snare and big fat toms, and let's go play some rock tunes. Yeah. You know? But the, to me, the heads are a big part of it. Obviously, you have to have a good shell and a good edge and all that kind of stuff. But, like, I just, for my sound lately, I've been really digging. And that's why I, I called Remo and said, hey, can I grab... You know, just you know, fiber skin diplomats for basically everything, and they're like, "Great, cool, should sound dope." So it'll probably be really kind of warm and dark, and the wood hoops on the drums will probably warm it up even more. So I'm going for a very warm, lush drum sound for this tour with some variable snare drum sounds, and then I'll probably throw a bunch, bunch of metal garbage on some of the toms for alternative snare sounds and stuff. So I, I mean, honestly, I don't even know. I won't know until the song starts. And that's perfectly right. how how we kinda roll. Charlie will look at me and start playing something and I'm like, Okay, cool. And it takes me two measures to get it together and then it's off we go. Anyway. You'll be
2: filming some of these shows or all these shows?
1: Uh I am I actually just got off the phone with you know the company Zoom? They make like yep. a bunch of recorders and stuff. Um I'm gonna be working with them, I think, a teeny bit. And um I'm going to grab a video recorder from them. So I'm going to try to record one or two of the shows. It's just they take up – I don't have a laptop, believe it or not. I just have – I own one, and I never used it. So I I don't really have a way of dumping all the HD video, which takes up, like, you know, one concert could be, like, three gigs. Um, Yeah. So I'll probably only have enough storage to record one or two shows. So I'll probably wait until later in the tour to record uh and i'll probably also try to record some of the clinic i'm doing at revival and up in vancouver but yeah uh, that'd be great yeah
2: yeah
1: yeah i think it'll be cool the revival one should be fun because it's sold out and there's a lot of good drummers that live out there so it'll be it'll be cool but yeah just getting ready to to go out out of town it's kind of weird two weeks I haven't been out of town in two weeks for a while. so
2: I'm sure it's going to be nice yeah. to get – how's the weather where you are right now? It's uh, cold.
1: Today is actually very warm. It's going to be like 60 here today, but starting tomorrow morning, it's like low-20s So, like, today is the last day of any kind of sensible being outside. Then it's going to start snowing, which it should. It's almost – you know, Christmas is coming and – we should be getting to
2: that. Yeah, that's so. what we, it was 60 here yesterday and it's 30 right now with 40 mile an hour wind. So it definitely has hit. It'll be nice to be on the west coast, although you'll be kind of north. That'll be, be perfect. It's always perfect out there. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, I was looking like LA is obviously LA.
2: Um, and, you
1: know, as you get north into Vancouver, it'll probably be more like it is here. But most of it is, you know, going to be probably like 50s, 60s. Uh, I'm cool with whatever. I like the winter, so I don't. I don't get cold easily. But I, I also like hanging out when it's 80 and sunny in L.A. So. Yeah,
2: totally. <laughs> we get a little, nice. little
1: bit of everything. And I'm hoping these. There's some crazy wildfires that started this morning uh, near actually where D.W.'s factory is, and near Oxnard, California,
2: which is just north of L.A. Yeah, yeah I saw so that. I'm hoping. Uh,
1: I'm hoping all of that is cool when everybody's kind of safe and okay because that's a super populated area to be getting nailed with a huge wildfire like that. Yeah, I've um, been
2: seeing people definitely. marking marking themselves safe on Facebook in that area. Yeah. That's how I learned about it. It's like, oh man.
1: Uh, droughts and fires and all that kind of stuff seem to be happening more and more. So it's just got to be careful.
2: Yeah. And I'm sure you'll see some of that in Northern California from a month ago or so. Oh
1: yeah. No, we're going to be driving all up and down from all the way from LA all the way up to Vancouver so we're going to probably see a lot of weird stuff and a lot of you know beautiful stuff too there's some gorgeous stuff out there
2: I feel like there's there's so many other details that would be fun to talk about, but I know that we probably ought to wrap it up. I know you need to take care yeah, of a bunch uh, of your things. Yeah, I've got to – I've actually got
1: to head into the city uh, in about an hour, so I got to just make sure I have everything packed up. And yeah. I'm not
2: forget- forgetting
1: like, oh, I brought everything but my drum key.
2: Perfect. Right, <laughs> yeah, right. You know? Well, it's fun to talk. It was fun to fun to meet you on the phone. It's 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 kind of a weird way to do things nowadays. Is you never know how you're gonna connect with somebody, but
1: uh, yeah, it seems more and more common now to just
2: like meet up online,
1: and then it's like, hey, we should act, like I've been talking with Jason McGurr online for a long time, and I was like, we should talk. You know, have <laughs> been emailing, so we finally got on the phone and talk. And I'm actually gonna be in his hometown in Washington state doing a gig. And he's going to be in LA at that time doing a death cab thing. And then when I'm in LA, he's back up in Washington. like we're literally each other. Yeah. He wanted to come down to the gig and I was just like, yeah, I'm I'm at the mint on December 9th in LA. And he's like, ah, he's like, dude, I'm missing you by like a day. Oh man. You know, but I'm sure we'll meet up in person at some point. Are you going to Nam this year or going to be out that way ever? Oh,
2: I, I'm still on the fence about it. Rami wrote us and said, I need to have my, have the names in, but oh, it's been a couple of weeks now. I thought I had right. a gig that, that weekend, but that is, the gig is now two weekends later and it's in a different city. So anyway, I, I don't know. I should.
1: Well, if you are there, I, let me know.
2: Yeah, I, I know I should be out there, but.
1: You've got a family and stuff too, so, like, that's, that's obviously more important, but, uh, you know, if you do find yourself out there, we'll go out and hang for some. I time. have teenage
2: girls. I don't have a family at all. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah.
1: You know what? Don't go to Nam. He's got your hands full.
2: I I never even see them anymore. It's like unless they need a ride somewhere, different different world than before. But I, yeah, I would love to get out there. I just I hope I can. We'll see.
1: Yeah. Just stay in touch. Yeah. It
2: was a pleasure talking, yeah. man. Yeah, man. Totally. You you seem exactly as I expected you to be.
0: <laughs> it's great. <laughs> hope that's it's great. Thing. Well,
2: cool, man. Cool, well, safe man. travels and uh, have great shows. And I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Any any awesome, final man. words? I don't know, man. Just be good to each other. That's that's what I try to do. No matter you know if you're in a
1: good mood or a bad mood, you got to just remember you know, people don't know if you've had a good or bad day, and they might only meet you for an hour or something, but, like, try to be cool with them no matter what. Yeah. You know, that's
2: that's all you can really do at the end of the day. Great words of Rich. wisdom for for the future.
1: Yeah, man, drumming and and otherwise, just as a person. It's <laughs> just totally cool. So. Well, cool, man. I'm going to get rolling, but it was a pleasure to talk with you, man, and hopefully everything works out well with the editing. And, uh, yeah, let's stay in touch. Cool, man. Thanks, Carter. All right, Rich.
2: Have a great day, man. You too. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right.
0: All right, there you have it. Quite an in-depth conversation with Carter. It was a lot of fun. Um, Carter's on tour right now on the West Coast with Charlie Hunter, so if he comes to your town and you're out there, you should definitely go check him out. He's also doing some clinics. I think he's already done or he's about to do the Revival Drum Shop, so if you're in that area in Portland, check him out. You can find Carter on all the social medias. His Instagram is instagram.com slash Carter Mac, M-A-C. His YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Carter McLean, M-C-L-E-A-N. His educational website is fourhandsdrumming.com F-O-U-R-H-A-N-D-S-D-R-U-M-M-I-N-G.com And his Facebook page is facebook.com slash ninety six. Okay, check them out, give them some love, and thank you for listening to the Drum Mantra Podcast, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Drum Mantra Podcast. Your time and attention is much appreciated. I would love it if you went to the iTunes store and left a rating, and please share this with anybody that you think would like to go deeper with their practice. Take care.